Alright everybody, welcome into the Cheesesteaks in the Sour Level podcast. My name is Dylan Cowan Crowley. He's Austin Mancini. You just may have heard us uh, just earlier today or perhaps you listened to us yesterday as we previewed the Sixers Raptors series this weekend. We both have the Sixers winning in seven. Go Be sure to go check out that. We go in depth on that, why we think the Sixers uh, could lose, why we think they could win. We also give predictions for all the first round matchups. Um, that being said, today's episode, we're going to talk about the Phillies opening week. We are recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, so this is probably going up Friday, uh, as we've talked about so far. Um, so we, uh, the, six, the Phillies, sorry, played the Marlins on Thursday. Uh, we, we're not going to talk about that game because we don't know what's going to happen because we're recording Wednesday night. Uh, but through six games, Austin, the Sixers right now are Sixers. The Phillies right now are three and three. It's been a real up and down. They started the season two and zero with back to back wins over the Athletics, including a nine to five win on opening day, uh, which included a Kyle Schwarber leadoff home run, something mm-hmm. I predicted right here on the Cheesesteaks in the Sarah level podcast. Uh, but nine to five win on opening day. Noah went. Seven, uh, six and a third, or maybe I don't know if he recorded out in the sound, but Nola works into the seventh and in, in that game, doesn't get out of it, struggles in the seventh, and he hit a wall. But through the first six, he looked really good. Um, bullpen looked good that day, as well. and the offense awesome. Game two against the A's, uh, Nick Castellanos hits his first as a Philly. Uh, the offense puts up four runs, the pitching looks solid. Two and oh, they head into Sunday. They lose four to one. Uh, the offense really struggles. Uh, it happens. You not think about much of it. Monday was one of the, my favorite Phillies games of recent memory. Down four to one against the four nothing against the Mets going into the eighth inning. They come back, score eight runs in sorry five runs in the eighth inning to win that game five four. And then the last two games of the series, they they struggled offensively for the most part, losing. Uh, two nothing on Tuesday night before losing on Wednesday afternoon nine to six. Um, so I think the three big topics here to hit Austin are Aaron Nola, the Phillies offense, and pretty much that. Despite playing a little bit, showing a little bit of their worst in all facets of the games at times, they're still three and three, and there's still obviously a lot of season to be played. Yeah, I mean, I think we all expected them to at least win the series against the A's, which they did. Um, the Mets is a different story. The Mets are supposed to be pr- very good. You know, they do have Scherzer, um, and they upgraded a lot with new ownership. So there was a lot going into it, but like you said, there's there's three big things, and the one is I think you – I think for me, I think I saw everything. You know, we we talked about a Phillies preview. Um, we had an episode a couple of weeks ago, and um, I mean, we saw what could happen when everyone's on. You know, like you said, Schwarber hit a leadoff home run. You know, you, we've scored eight runs. JT hit that um, two-run oh, shot. Yep. Yeah, you know, we Bryce got the board it. on. Wednesday, finally. Yeah, like we we have seen everything 
But we've also, like you said, seen the negative. Aaron Nola struggled. The bullpen blows, you know, blows a lead. The errors by Alec Boom, you know, like we have seen everything. You like you've you've had you had the free space. You got bingo, you know. But um, they are like you said, three and three. There has been positives. I mean, Bryson Stott has looked like an MLB player. Two two for two against Scherzer. Um, I mean, that was really impressive to go up against a future Hall of Fame pitcher, one of the best pitchers of his era, and go two for two off him is pretty impressive. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's looked the part. You know, I think that's the biggest yes. thing is he's hit. He can hit all fields. His fielding is pretty good. And you're seeing that Girardi wants to keep him in the lineup. Um, but like you said, I think the biggest concern is just Nola. It, it's yeah. a continuation of last year. It, it 100% is. And well, before we move on to Nola, I think the last thing I would say about Stott is what stu- has stood out to me is it doesn't look like any situation for him is too big for him. Yes, he's he's going to strike out at times. Yes, he's he's going to get some weak contact at times. But he doesn't look like he's not confident in the box. He looks pretty he looks confident every at bat. He's going up there with good hacks and when he falls behind in the count, he he does a pretty good job of getting himself back in that count again to a situation where he can get a pitch to hit. Um and I think there's a lot of promise with Stodd uh, going forward. Um, but, yeah, no, let's let's talk about Noah. Noah now this season is one-on-one with an ERA of 6.75. Uh, he's pitched nine innings. He only went four innings. Uh, if Sorry. Yeah, went three and a third inning here on uh, Wednesday night. Gave up three runs. Uh, three hits and three walks, struck out five. Against Oakland, he looked out before that sound inning, he looked decent. He struck out seven. Um, and in that game, he still only gave up four hits, didn't that four runs, but no walks. But today against the Mets, he had no control whatsoever. And from the beginning, it it was a major problem for the Phillies in this one. Um and and I think I think the biggest thing with Noah is we all want him to be that 2018 Aaron Nola, right? But I think that 2018 Aaron Nola is, was a mirage. I don't think we may ever see that again. And everybody looks at the advanced stats and said the advanced stats all love him. But you know what else? The advanced stats and analytics hate the Phillies defense, which therefore also improves Aaron Nola's advanced stats, such as fill, uh, fielding independent pitching. Um, it's a flawed system in that regard. And I'm thinking, I don't think Aaron Nola is as bad as he's looked today. Um, or in that seventh inning against Oakland. But I don't think we can rely on Aaron Nola to be that borderline ace. I don't know if we can rely on him to be a number two. I think we have to consider him a guy who, who on most teams would be an okay number two, which he is or a solid number three option because he has not shown since 2018, the consistency that he needs to have to be anything more than an okay. Number two pitcher and the stats back that up. I mean, uh, let me find it here. Uh, Joe Giulio uh, posted after uh, Noah's performance 
Aaron Nolan has lost 80 starts since the start of 2019 as a 4.13 ERA in 80 starts. 4.13, that's... That's fine. That's a fine ERA for a maybe a number three or four pitcher. But for a number one or two, you you don't want that. Absolutely not. Um, yeah. And, I mean, if you look at back, I, I forget. I can't find it. Um, so I do apologize. But there was another tweet out there today, um, a similar stat, that since I think the beginning of last year or maybe not last year, but a rather small sample size at some point last year to now – Aaron Noah's ERA is over five. Uh, I'm gonna look look for that quickly. But what what is your thoughts on Aaron Noah? I mean, Dylan, it's funny the way you were talking about him reminded me of Carson. You know, we're not gonna have the 2017 Carson anymore. It yeah, was a one. It. it was Johnny Heller. Aaron Noah has a 5.29 ERA in his last 27 starts dating back to last May. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty bad. But you know what I mean? Like, it it almost like Carson Wentz, 2017. We're not going to have the yep. same Carson Wentz. We're just not. He's not the same guy. He is doing things that he didn't used to do. Um you know, look at his touchdown to interception ratio. It's not terrible, but he's not great. still, yeah, it's not terrible. It's not great, but it's the same with Nola. You know, he had the year you were like, this guy's awesome. Look what we have. The farm system worked. And now you're like, what, what happened? You know, it's just, it's frustrating because. I mean, this bullpen's predicated on Wheeler and him being in one and two. And I think the other thing is, it's just the same problems we've seen over the last two yeah. uh, and a half seasons. It's that his inability, at the, which amazes for how many strikeouts he gets, because he's one of the best strikeout pitchers in the in in the majors today. Is that at times he just can't get a third strike. He gets in front of guys 0-2-1-2, and then he serves up serves up home runs or base hits. I mean, it, the way he loses control at times after getting ahead in counts is baffling for what he has shown at other times. It's just I think Aaron Nolan is who he's shown to be over the last two and a half seasons, and unfortunately that's just what we're going to get here. Let's move on to uh, the offense. So the offense, like I said, nine runs in game one of the season, four in game two. But since then, it's been uh, a lot to be desired. I mean, you look at it on paper. Yeah, they put up five runs Thursday night. They put up six, sorry, Tuesday night, Monday night. They put up six runs um, today. But the story of the both games is that it was it was too late for the offense. Well, yeah. they won on Tuesday night. But they waited almost too late. They, they waited till the eighth inning on Tuesday to get it going. Today, they had opportunities on Wednesday. Uh, sorry, on um, Monday they came back. But they had opportunities on Wednesday to get a, get ahead in this game. Scherzer gave them the bases loaded in the first inning with nobody out. Sorry, one out. And they came away with zero runs after Scherzer walked the bases loaded. 
Uh, and they had plenty of other opportunities in, with runners in scoring position on Wednesday and were unable to get those guys in. And that's been a major problem with them early on this season is runners in scoring position. And uh, I mean, it's not always going to be like this. This offense has too many good hitters to struggle long-term. Schwarber led off the season with a home run, as we know. Since then, he's like over 21, or he's only got like one other hit since then. Castellanos has been everything you paid for him so far. He has a home run, and he has, I think, three or four doubles on top of that as well. And then Bryce is... This looks like the Bryce that we get when he's... Visibly in a slump, you know he's in a slump statistically, and he keeps on pressing to get out of that slump and just making it worse. Now, he finally got a home run at the end of Wednesday's game, his first of the season, but his bad ideas need to come around. But at the same time you look at it, there's no way he was going to continue that success he had down in spring training. Because at the end of the day, he was not going up against Major League pitching in every single one of those bats when he hit those home runs. And, um I'm now I'm not worried about the offense, but it was a frustrating first six yeah. games because you saw yeah. what they could be, and they had plenty of opportunities to show that again. But it's just been a lot of weak contact, a lot of pop ups, or a lot of swinging at bad pitches. I mean, uh, they, they have swung in a lot of bad pitches. That being said, I think I've been impressed offensively by a few guys so far. One of them being Castellanos; he's been great. Um, Hoskins has hit the ball really well early on. Um, Stott, who we mentioned, and then a guy who has had quite a week for himself, but he's looking good at the plate, looking confident at the plate, Alec Ball. He's making solid contact. He's getting, he's driving up pitch counts. It is a promising start offensively for him. Still need to see him make more consistent contact and get and tap into that power, especially if he's going to continue to struggle in the field. Yeah, um, I think starting off with uh, Bryce, I think um, we see this every year. I feel like Bryce starts to come along halfway through the year. You know, like he seems to struggle a little bit in the beginning, and then as the season goes on, he gets better and better. I mean, look at last year. He wasn't an, he wasn't an all-star last year. Wins MVP. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I'm and- not too worried with uh Bryce. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not too worried. Bryce is one of those guys I I can never be too worried about unless there's like an obvious nagging injury that he has. Yeah. I he, we've also learned that Bryce is just a guy if he's struggling, sometimes you just gotta sit him down for a game and let him get right mentally. Um, because uh, yeah, he's a professional baseball player who Obviously, has gone through his ups and downs, but at the same time, I mean, when these guys go through these extended struggles, it can get just it can get, it gets way more frustrating for them than it is for us because they know what their potential yeah. is. Um, so and and isn't that. it crazy too? It's crazy with Boom too because if Boom could just be an okay fielder, like you can like be okay with him being out there you'd be yeah. content because he has the bat, but he he legit can't field and you no, can't that... put him at DH because yeah. you, who's going to play third or who's going to play, yeah, you know, you, you go, you can put Camargo out there. Who's 
Camargo is hitting 500 early on the season. His swings are sometimes really ugly, but I mean, hey, it, it, he's got he's he's hit 500 so far. Um, but I mean, you look at it, Schwarber is a DH in real in reality. Castellanos is a DH in reality. Hoskins is a DH. I mean, they already have three DHs plus yeah. Harper and Real Muto, who really could be DHs at any point this season. And I mean, there's just not room for Bohm in that lineup for anywhere but third base. But I mean, bad performance on Tuesday. Was that Tuesday? Or Mo- was that Monday? Monday. Monday. That performance Monday was just horrendous. And yes, he got caught on tape saying, I fucking hate this place. Um, he owned up up to it post game. I wasn't offended with that. I don't know anybody who was offended with it at all. You ask any Philly fan, we're all going to say the same thing. We've said it all before. I say I hate this team at least twice a week, but guess what? I'm still here every single game watching all nine innings because I have nothing better to do in my life, to be honest. But Well, well also, who hasn't said that at work? Exactly. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's just yeah, frustration. I would be frustrated too and hate the place I was at if I had one of the worst games I've ever had as a baseball player and then got, yeah, Bronx cheers are fun to do, but uh, of course he gets under a player's skin. And who, who hasn't been in those situations before? Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely frustrating. I mean, and who who's going to be more frustrated than him? You know, like we're watching exactly. it. Imagine being the guy doing it and then, getting absolutely berated in the dugout. Then you're hearing it from fans. And then when you make a play, they finally sarcastically cheer for you. Exactly. So it, so I would say two things. One, credit for Bohm to own it up to what he said and saying what he did. And credit to, credit to the Phillies fans for the last two games, giving him – a stand ovation. I don't think he needed a stand ovation necessarily, but but it was I definitely much appreciated. Yeah, it was respect. Yeah, respect. it was. We we uh, yeah we we appreciate honesty, hustle, and respect more than most other things when it comes to sports. Um, yeah, and, as long you know, as you're he, trying he, and you're honest with yourself, that's all anyone can ask in this city. Yeah, I mean. Players have said way worse about Philly fans and Phillies and, and whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, good, good on Bone for owning up to it. Good for everybody down the stand the last two days for what they've done. Uh, and I think it's a situation we all can move on from. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, record this Wednesday. Phillies have a series coming up with the Marlins four-game series. They have to take three or four here, no doubt about it. Uh, and you have to get the Marlins best. Marlins have their number. The Marlins do have their number. They do, they do. But um, oh, let's move on to our main topic here tonight, which is our Eagles seven-round mock draft. So what we're going to do here is we're using the uh, Pro Football Focus mock draft uh, simulator. Um, we set the settings for it to be uh, not not too much randomness, a little bit of randomness, because that's what it is like on draft night. We set it halfway between PFF's board and public board. Um, and we're just going to pick the Eagles draft picks, but – uh, for the first round, at least, I will give uh, what picks are laid up to the Eagles. Uh, so, Austin, whenever you're ready, we can dive right into this. Let's let's do it. Hopefully, uh, 
you know, we come away with uh, a better defense uh, at the end of this thing. Let's hope so. Uh, let, let I hit start and here we go. So Jaguars take Aiden Hutchinson first overall from Michigan. Uh, the Lions go with safety Kyle Hamilton um, from Notre Dame. Uh, Texans defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. Uh, Jets take cornerback Ahmad Gardner. Uh, Giants take cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. Panthers take tackle Evan O'Neill out of Alabama. Giants grab Ikem Ikenwanu out of North Carolina State. Falcons take Charles Cross, tackle out of Mississippi State. George Karloftis, the defensive end out of Purdue, goes nine to Seahawks. Number 10, Jets back on the board. They take Trayvon Walker from Georgia, the defensive end. Number 11, we got Trent McDuffie from Washington going to Washington. Uh, number 12, Ohio State wide receiver Garrett Wilson to the Vikings. At 13, the Texans take Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd. And 14, Ravens take wide receiver Drake London from USC. Uh, those first 14 picks, Austin, any rough. guys there that you would have liked to have the option here to take uh, at number 15? Uh, Devin Lloyd probably um, yeah. would have been nice Thanks. to be there. Um, uh, I, Mc, would, I would McDuffie, Carloftis. I'd say Carloftis, McDuffie, Wilson, Lloyd were all guys I would I would have my eye on at fifteen, and hoping that the Sixers, uh, sorry, Eagles, could uh, manage to grab them. So that takes us to fifteen. Um, what position do you think the, the Eagles should address uh, with their first pick at fifteen? Should they go? Best player available. Should they go uh, defensively? Should they go for a wide receiver? Uh, don't forget they are back up in three picks at 18. So what do you think the Eagles should do at 15? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I think, you know, one, you should always go best player available. But I, I do think um, in this case, I mean, Jamison Williams is sitting right there. Um Otherwise, I mean, I'm looking at the, you know, the names we're looking at here, and it could be Dean, Tyler Linderbaum, uh, Devontae Wyatt. I mean, Jamison Williams is probably the best one there. Uh, unless is uh, Jordan, um, was he taken? I can't think of his last name. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah, or Jordan Davis. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, the way I look at it is I think – with the first pick, the Eagles should definitely go best player available for the positions they need. Um, because you look at the board here, oh, pro football focus has uh, their best player available is uh, Western, sorry, Central Michigan tackle Bernard uh, Raymond. The Eagles don't need a tackle, so they're not going to take him, um, even if he's the best player available. Um, that leaves us with uh, Jameson Williams, uh, Georgia. Interior defensive lineman Devontae White and Nicobe Dean, uh, as the next three, uh, as well as Tyler Lindemann and Jordan Davis. Um, the two names that stand out to me here, I think, are Jameson Williams and Nicobe Dean. Um, mm -hmm. and I think I would probably have to lean, uh, with Jameson Williams here. I think, again, another wide receiver, um, like Williams would be huge for the Eagles. And you look at the, the Saints and the Chargers, wide receivers, a big need for both of them. Jamison Williams may not be there when you come back up yeah. at 18. Um, Ole might, said, but probably not if 
if the Chargers are going to take a quarter or a receiver. Same with the Saints. But the Saints could go and quarterback. That being said, there's rumors that Jameson Williams may go in the top 10. So he may not be here come the draft in a couple of weeks. But either way, in this situation, I would personally go Jameson Williams. Uh, do you want to go Jameson Williams or do you want to try to convince me on somebody else? No, I I did gloss over uh Nicobe Dean uh for a sec, but I, I probably I would do Williams as well. Like you said, best player available. I don't like that the Eagles this would be the Eagles taking a receiver for the fourth year in a row or whatever it is, but I mean what what are your options? You didn't sign a quarter, you know, you didn't sign one in the offseason. Yeah. All right. So after we took Jameson Williams, uh, PFS mock draft simulator had the Saints take uh, wide receiver Chris Olave from Ohio State, and they had uh, the Chargers take uh, Georgia interior defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt. That brings the Eagles back up. We got Bernard Raymond, Nicobe Dean, Tyra Lindebaum, uh, Jordan Davis all on the board, as well as quarterback Sam Howell. Um, any of those names pique your interest? Um, I mean, Jordan Davis probably, I mean, he keeps being regarded as one of the best defensive interior defensive linemen. Fletcher Cox is getting older and probably won't be back after this year. And, uh, Nicobe Dean, I mean, Nicobe, you, you, the way this defense is, um, you need another linebacker, whether it's, you know, uh, someone to replace, uh, Edwards or, you know, just be better than Edwards or um, Kaiser White is on a one-year deal. You know, it's a yeah. two-year deal, but it's structured for one. So, so you need you need something better. I think I know who I want to pick up. I would say this pick for me comes down to between Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis. Address the defensive needs here. Yeah. Um, and I think you look at it, Jordan Davis. I feel like the Eagles are very good at finding interior defensive linemen again, a good amount out of them. And they have some promising players there, Milton Williams being one. Um, and Fletcher, yeah, I mean, Fletcher could be gone, um, but who knows? Uh, so, I mean, Jordan Davis is very intriguing at this spot, but I think you have to go to Kobe Dean. The guy moves around so well for a linebacker. He has great clothes and speed, and he, he's just a very tenacious player. I know there's worries that he is maxed out physically, and there's really not much more improvement he's going to get on the physical side of things. But I think everything else about him just screams the potential to be a star linebacker. And I feel like you, you can't pass up on him if he's there at 18. Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm probably pretty torn i mean i just the way i know the eagles are probably in love with jordan davis um yeah but i mean i wouldn't i really wouldn't be opposed to the eagles actually drafting a linebacker for the first time in forever um and i think davion taylor can't stay healthy he's still learning the game too yeah i think that's where i'm at too is that i I think Wade is a bigger position of need now and potentially the future. I think it's linebacker. I think it's linebacker. Yeah. yeah. All right. So go for go it. Nicobe Dean? Yeah, we can go Nicobe Dean. All right. So after now that we're out of the first round, we won't go as in depth on selections, but we will still uh, definitely 
gloss over them quickly. So I'm just going to let the rest of the first round finish up here um, as we go through it. Um, so uh, after we took Nicobe Dean, the Saints got their quarterback in Malik Wilson, 19. Steelers took Trevor Pennant out of Northern Iowa. Patriots took Tyra Linden. Linderbaum, the center of Iowa. Bernard Raymond went to the uh, Packers. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers loves that he got a a tackle in the first round, not, not a wide receiver. Jordan Davis oh goes to the God. Cardinals at 23. Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback out of Clemson, goes to the Cowboys. Jermaine Johnson, the second out of Florida State, goes to the Bills. Wide receiver Traylon Burks goes to um, uh, where was where was sorry the Titans. Safety Lewis seen out of Georgia goes to the Buccaneers guard Boston guard Zion Johnson out of Boston College goes to the Packers. So Packers in this mock draft don't select any help for Rodgers. Uh, Kyer Elam oh, out of Florida goes to Chiefs. Boy Mafe out of Minnesota to the Chiefs as well. Uh, Joe Burrow gets some help with guard Kenyon Green from Texas A&M. And then uh, the Lions take quarterback Sam Howell to finish first round. And then let's fast forward to uh, the Eagles' next pick at 51. We're not going to go over all the picks in the second round uh, for time constraints. Um, but, all right, we got a linebacker. We got a wide receiver, Austin. What position would you prefer to hit? Not looking at the board, but what position would you prefer to hit in the second round? Um, Probably corner or safety. I mean. I, I would agree. Safety, maybe the guy from Baylor is still there, or um, I mean, I know this is a semi deeper um, class as a whole, but it doesn't appear that he is here. Um, All right, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking. We're looking at who's left, and looking at who's left per this mock draft, there is not many options for the Eagles at safety or corner it looks like um it looks like the best safety or corner available right now is kirby johnson out of illinois and his average draft position in mock drafts right now 76.8 yeah. so i unless the six uh, sorry the eagles really love him i don't think they're taking him here which for me seeing what's on the board i think i would go with an edge defender yeah yeah and i mean jermaine I, I totally forgot Jermaine Johnson was even still out there. He could have been an option for the Eagles at 19 or 18 as well. Yes. Um, or, you know, in this case, the Eagles might have traded into the first to take a guy take like him. him. Um, sure. I mean, we go back and look at the end of that first round. And, um, I mean, guys who fell out, you, there's a boy, Mafe out there. Uh, but guys who fell out of the first round that the Eagles possibly could trade back in again, uh, David Ojabo, who, I mean, he did tear his Achilles, uh, so he would be out. But uh, nonetheless, a name worth noting. And Penn State's Arnold Ebiketti also fell out of the first round there. Um, all right. Um, it is a shame, though, that uh, that uh, Brisker got drafted and uh... – and, you know, a he couple did. corners got dragged. Like, a couple of the guys that would be beautiful to have at this point, uh, unfortunately, were taken. Now, that being said, in this mock draft, quarterbacks have not been favored. I think that's going to be really different on draft night. So, that's one thing I think that's immediately different. But let's get back to this selection. 
The name that pops out to me of the names available here, Austin, is USC uh, defensive end Drake Jackson. Um, he did have an injury this past season, but he looked really good before his injury, and I think um, he has a good chance to really develop into a nice defensive end at the NFL level. That's who I would look at. I'd look at your edge defenders, uh, him or South Carolina's Kingsley uh, Enog Bear, I think it would be, or I, I think those are the two guys you have to look at here. Yeah. Um, just real quick, you think uh, any shot they take, I mean, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker is there. Miles is yeah, on a so, one-year deal, or he's on his last year of his contract, you know. That's a really intriguing point. Um, and I do think there's a potential for that. But I think if they take a running back, they probably do yeah. so in round three or four because I think there's enough options. Yeah, it's just I saw him sitting there. I'm like, I could see the Eagles doing that. But, yeah, I'd, I'd go edge. Um, best I'll one unavailable you, you probably. You make the choice here. Which one do you want? Do you want Kingsley or do you want Drake yeah. Jackson? We'll, we'll go we'll go, uh, we'll go. Drake Jackson. Honestly, I, I'm I'm good with that. I've seen Drake Jackson mock to the Eagles in a couple of mock drafts as well. All right. So with that, I am going to actually turn up the speed here on this now so we can just get to the Eagles picks. Um, our next pick is up at 83. Did you see who the round. Did you see who the Falcons took? It's uh, real quick. It said Desmond Ritter. They took Desmond Ritter in this. I don't hate that for the Falcons, man. I don't, I don't that either. The He's been getting a lot of um, hate too. Uh, Kenny Pickett really. did fall out of the first round. I don't think that's going to happen in real life, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Um, all right. We're on the clock at 83. Um, we The top options on the board are guard Dylan Parham out of Memphis, quarterback Carson Strong out of Nevada, tackle Kellen Deich out of Arizona State, yeah. running back Damian Pierce from Florida, Center Donovan West out of Arizona State and JoJo Doman out of the linebacker from Nebraska. Um, now, if you want a safety, Nick Cross out of Maryland yeah. is available still. Average draft position of 89. PFF has him on the board as their 90th ranked player. So at 83, it's a little bit of a reach per se, but it's not a big reach. Um, so do you want to reach for Nick Cross or would you yeah. rather maybe go for a guard or draft maybe Carson Strong? See, I, I'm torn because I could see that he was taking a, a guard at this point, um, not knowing your right guard. You know, Jack Driscoll has had health issues um, at, in his collegiate and his professional career. Um, but, I don't know, Carson Strong's got the big arm that, you know, the Eagles love. And uh, who's the other? Oh, and the safety. I mean, they need a safety. So do you want to – or there's also Marcus Jones out of Houston at corner who also is a really good punt and kick returner, something that the Eagles uh, don't really have. Yeah, I'm I'm probably on on, – I'd go Nick Cross, Cross. to be honest. all right, yeah, I just, I mean, they need, they need a safety, unfortunately, you know. Absolutely. I, I like that pick. I, I think it's a, maybe a little bit of reach, but most guys haven't projected to be a second third round pick. So they can get them in the late third. I'll take it. All right. We're now, yeah. now up 101 in the third round. Um, got Donovan West from Arizona State still out there. 
Jojo Doman out of Nebraska, the linebacker. Wake Forest tackle, Zach Tom. Uh, Luke Fordner out of uh, Kentucky, the, uh, a center. Uh, now, running back Tyler Algier out of BYU was a really fun running back to watch here uh, that I'm really high on. I think he's going to be good. You also got Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky. Uh, any of these names uh, stand out to you? I, I, uh, For me, I think if they're going to go running back, if Algier is in there at 101, I think you have to take Tyler Algier personally. Um, um, yeah, I just... I think for me, I think like if they were to take one, they, it would be one of the top guys sure. to help, like you know, because that's Miles's replacement. You already have, um, sure. you already have, you resigned uh, Boston Scott, and you gave him guaranteed money, and you also have um, Kenny Gainwell from last year. Um, I could I could see them taking a center or guard of some sort because um, they love just taking a shot on one. I mean, Landon Dickerson was a you know was a fly on the second round pick torn you know torn ACL yeah. and Donovan you, West. You, they would love just depth. Donovan West is probably a center at the NFL level, but he is a guy who did play guard at times at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Gives them some position flexibility. And, I mean, offensive linemen is that one position where the Eagles could draft, and I think everybody will turn out fine just because they have the best <laughs> yeah. offensive line coach in the NFL. I agree. So, I mean, I'm fine with taking a center here or a, ta- uh, a, a center. Uh, I don't think a tackle is necessary, but, I mean, you did uh, – if you want to, you can if they have position flexibility. But uh, you want to go Donovan West? Yeah, let's go Donovan West. All right, we take Donovan West. The Eagles got a center who also can play some guard. And our and next I mean, who knows if he one. turns out, you know, Jason Kelsey replacement of some sort or or whatever, you know, just something. Sure. So, one twenty four. Um, I think. I think one thing the Eagles winning a draft in this draft is a tight end. Yeah, um, yeah, they need a better uh, backup than uh, Tyree Jackson. Yeah, and Tyree Jackson has has potential, but I mean, he hasn't proven anything yet. And you need and a guy behind ACL I think so. I think so. Yeah, um, but you need somebody behind Goddard. So I mean, Grand Calcaterra out of SMU is still on the board. That's a name that pops out to me. Western Kentucky's Bailey Zappe. Still on the board. He's a quarterback. Um, uh, big arm quarterback. Broke the NSA pass record this year. He stands out to me um, as a fourth-round pick. Could you see the Eagles going to quarterback in the fourth round? Um, No. I think if they were going to draft one, it would be Matt Corral. Yeah, okay. I think that's, that's I, the I, that's name fair. that keeps being linked to him. Um, and they could always sign – someone off of you know there's the free agents everywhere that they could just sign at this point and they have Gardner already for backup sure so so do you want to go I mean we go corner again go get somebody like maybe a, a Cordell uh fought um there's tight end Grant Calcaterra Calcaterra could go guard at Lasita Smith, running back Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama. 
Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame, um, Josh Joby out of Alabama. Uh, Joby had a pretty good college career um, uh, for Alabama. He had his struggles at times, but is solid. Uh, what, what position would you like to go here? I, I, I could see them doubling down at corner. I could see them taking a tight end or even a running back. Yeah, I I think they go probably best player available, um, but okay. not necessarily Zappy. I think either corner or tight end, like you were saying, like Cordell Slot or Grant Katera. Cal- uh, All right, so uh, do you, what are you feeling? Do you want to go tight end? Get a tight end. Yeah, God yeah. Let's get spicy. Let's let's take the backup tight end. All right, well we'll take Grant Cal Calterra out of uh, SMU. Um, who's been rising up draft boards over the last few weeks. Um, so I let's get him. The Eagles now got their backup tight end. And our next pick is at 154. All right. And we're here we are at 154. Um, if I'm looking at the Eagles, I think fifth round, or in fifth round now, I think you're going best player available. But I also think yeah. you're also looking to add at some key positions, uh, linebacker and corner, especially. Uh, so the names that stick out to me right away is one right here. Um, uh, Jack Sanborn, um, who he graded out really well, uh, for Wisconsin this year, my PFF had grade of 88.8. And now he's not the most athletic. He's not going to be a great, you know, game changing linebacker, but he's the type of linebacker I think you need to have a – he's going to provide depth wherever he goes. Yeah. And I think he could be a big get for wherever he falls to in this draft. Yeah, I mean, at this point with the Eagles, I mean, they could use a linebacker, as many linebackers as possible, you know. I mean, you have Sean Bradley, TJ Edwards, you know, like – their linebackers aren't good. So, I mean, take a shot on one. Why not? I know you just, sure. you drafted Nicobe Dean, but I mean, like you said, the more depth, the better. All right. So let's, let's take, let's take Jack Sanborn. Let's get that depth in the fifth round. Our next pick is at 162, just three picks left. And Austin, if correct me if I'm wrong, we haven't taken a corner yet. And we're, you're not going to get a corner here in the fifth round. No, you're not. Um, and I mean, just the way the draft board went, I mean, if you scroll, you know, if you go to the end of the first round, I mean, I think it was a run at um, corner, unfortunately, you know, and that's just the way the mock draft went, you know, it, I don't, yeah. like you said, I don't necessarily think it's going to go that way considering Kenny Pickett went second round, but we're just dealing with the, uh, you know, cards were dealt with at this point. Yeah, now here's a name in the sixth round that's rising up draft boards. He played well last year for Tennessee. That's cornerback Elante Taylor. Um, I, I say when when you're in the fifth round, you can reach a little bit. So I say let's get that corner, take a guy who's risen up draft boards recently, and take Elante Taylor. Totally fine with it. You know, that like we we don't have another corner uh steven nelson i believe signed with the texans today so if there was any hope that he was going to come back at any point well he signed i think a two-year deal with the texans so 
All right, so let's let's take Taylor. We get a corner finally. He's not going to be a game changer, but we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe we develop him. Uh, wanted to pick one sixty six here, Austin. Um, like we said, you're not getting anybody who's going to change the game in these rounds. Most likely, now you. Unless your name's Jordan Mailata. Jordan Mailata or Tom Brady. Um, that being said, any position you think we should take here specifically, or do you think we should just go best player available? Uh, probably best player. Or, or perhaps draft towards a certain skill set. Uh, perhaps maybe a big body wide receiver or a slot guy, for, for example. Um, or do we honestly, have a just back best, you know, Sorry, I mean, they, they do. No, they, I'm just thinking they, um, they seem to like doing trying on the uh, unrestricted, uh, free agent running backs. Like, okay. just take a shot on those guys. So, I think at this point, you know, I think they, they might just sign one. They would just sign one, uh, undrafted free agent wise. I'd, I'd probably go best player available. Uh, I, you know, I mean, like you said, slim pickings, and you got this is what you have two picks left after this. Yeah. So, I mean, there's this interior defensive lineman from um, uh, Idaho still on the board, Noah Ellis. Um, and the Eagles need interior defensive lineman, and he is ranked 130 on PFF's draft board. Uh, and he's still here at number 166 i think i think you take him i think he's fought if he falls this far you're wondering what are you possibly missing but this isn't real life so i think if he falls this far the eagles would probably take him because they need depth at defensive tackle so i think you take him here yeah yeah i'm i'm cool with it i'm cool with all it. right so we get our interior defensive line depth depth and we go to our last pick pick 237. So, Austin, as we head into our last pick, how do you feel about our draft, our mock draft here? Loves, hates, things you wish you could possibly redo? I mean, I wish um, – I mean, I wish we were Maybe able to get a corner, corner sooner. Yeah. yeah, that's that's how I feel. I mean, like I said, it just didn't fall the way it we thought, you know. If, if Elam was there or – and we didn't do any trades. Yeah, we didn't do any trade. We wanted to do a straight up one, and then next week we're going to do a trade, uh, a mock draft. Where we we try to trade up uh, using PFF. I mean, and we're gonna we're not going to force any trades. So if they accept our trades, they accept our trades. If they don't, they don't. Um, Can we please? Two thirty seven. It, it's staring we, at us. Can we please? Yeah, I, I was going to say we we have a big need that we haven't talked about. And uh, the best one in the draft is staring right at us here. And the that's brand. San Diego State punter, Matt Arazia. I mean, this dude can launch. Should have won, won the Heisman. I'm half joking, but the dude was incredible for uh, San Diego State this year. Uh, he had a punt, I think, of 80-plus yards at one point. This dude can flip the field. The Eagles need a punter badly. I say we take him and end this on a high note. <laughs> It's, I was, I was gonna say, it's the last pick, you know. And like you said, uh, the Eagles need a punter. Um, our Aaron Sippos wasn't terrible, you know, Struggled he had stretch. stretches though, yeah. Down the stretch, he struggled where it was like a little pooch punt, 
but um, they need uh, somehow they need a punter. But all right, so, Dylan, can we let's run through it real quick? Let's run through our draft and what PFF graded it. Um, so round one, pick fifteen, we took wide receiver Jamison Williams out of Alabama. PFF liked this pick; they gave us a B plus. Uh, at round one, number 18, our second pick of the first round, we took Georgia linebacker, Nicobe Dean. BFF love this one, A minus. Uh, so first two picks, we get a wide receiver for Jalen, and we strengthen up our linebacker group. Uh, in round two, we went uh, defensive end. We took Drake Jackson out of USC. Uh, I mean, one thing here I love off the bat, we may not have gone a corner early, but we just shored up our pass rush by adding two great uh, guys who are going to be able to ru- come off the edge from both the second level and, uh, and on the defensive line in, in Dean and Jackson. And that could be a huge boost to that defense, especially when you consider you got Fletcher Cox in the middle, even though he's a bit washed at this point, still good. And you got a guy who keeps taking big steps, Josh Sweat. Well, and and you have uh, Hassan Reddick, who yeah, is also going to be an edge I, I, I forgot about him. Yeah. Um, so not so only did you get Drake Jackson, but now you have you know now you have Hassan Reddick. Nakobe Dean could play just the field general, middle of the field guy while Absolutely. he's rushing. So Absolutely. yeah, that would that would sure up the middle of the field. And and how did Jim Schwartz win a Super Bowl? Pass rush. You know, you can mask up to an extent a uh your pass rush or your secondary and who knows i mean the eagles do have second two second round picks next or first round picks next year if absolutely obviously they need a corner you you could go trade for one if that's the case 100 uh round three pick 83 we took safety nick cross out of maryland we get the safety we wanted um b plus from pro football focus there uh, round three, 101, we get a center who has some versatility who can play guard and dive in West of Arizona State, PFF, B+. Uh, round four, 124, they did not like this pick as much, but still a solid pick. Um, Grant Calcaterra out of SMU, a tight end. We get the backup for Dallas Garden. They gave us a C+. Um, round number five, they love this pick. Uh, linebacker Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin. We sure up that defense, add another linebacker to it um, with Sanborn. A couple picks later, we went and got Alante Taylor, the cornerback out of Tennessee. Pro football focus, not like this. They gave us a D-plus on this. They ranked him uh, 219, so that's probably a big reason why. Um, but at the same time, looking at that board, we didn't get a cornerback yet, and we probably felt like we needed to go out and get one, even if it was a reach. We took Taylor. There was him and one other guy um, probably going to get the same grade no matter who we take there. Uh, round five, pick 166, we took Noah Ellis out of Idaho. We got a B-plus on that one. And round seven, 237, we got Matt Arazia out of San Diego State. Uh, we got a B on that. And overall mock draft grade of a B-plus. I like take our it. mock draft overall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, B-plus. I'll take a B-plus any day of the week. They always say C's get that get degrees, right? Yeah, we yeah, got exactly. B plus. How about that? Uh, I'll take it. Uh, but yeah. overall, I like the mock draft. I do too. Is it I perfect? Think, no. I think if you could, 
No, I think if there's anything, what what we you could have done, and this is if we were trading, is use that second round pick and move back into the first and take Elam or somebody in order to shore up your corner position. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I would be shocked if the Eagles move up into the first round again, or they move up in the second round to go out and get somebody who's fallen. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if um, instead of like Jamison Williams, they take um, somebody else like Jordan Davis at 15 or Nakobe Dean at 15 and then Jordan Davis at 18. And then if Jahan Dotson's there at the end of the first round, they go get him instead. You know, like there there's a very real possibility the Eagles trade back into the first round. Yeah. And wide receiver, we went Jamison Williams, but that's because he was BPA. And I think he's a game-changing talent, and and you can't pass him. But perhaps he's not there to come next in two weeks, and or next month draft. So we'll sure. see. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think wide receiver is a huge need that we would have to necessarily go and get in the first round or in the second round. Um, but I, I like how the top four picks played out. I would have liked to get a corner, obviously, earlier. But overall, I think we did well. I think we we addressed a lot of the Eagles' holes and. Uh, not perfect, obviously, but I think it looked worked out well. I think the only thing I would ha- I would say is uh, get a corner earlier. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. I think you addressed right, a lot well, of the needs, like linebacker, corner, safety, or corner, safety, linebacker. You know, like you addressed a lot of the things the Eagles need, and uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if this is how it was. You know, I think the biggest thing is, like you said, and I said, is just they need a corner. I, I think the yep. world knows that. Yep. All right. Um, anything else about the uh, this mock draft that you'd like to talk about? Uh, no, I think I'm good. I think uh, it, it was a good draft. I mean, you know, PFF even gave us a B plus. So, Howie, you might yep. want to take notes. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's all I got on this one. So I guess we'll just wrap it up here. That sounds good with you. Yeah, fine by me. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Chief Sticks in the Sour Level podcast. My name is Del Cal Crowley. He's Austin Mancini. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, and be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review or rating if you can, on uh, especially iTunes or uh, sorry Apple or Spotify, uh, and be sure to share the podcast with your friends, family, fellow sports fans, whoever you feel like, uh, and join our Discord as well. We have a great community there uh, that is uh, growing every day. Um, I think that's about it. I got it. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, and uh, yeah, so have a great weekend, everybody. Go Sixers. Uh, hopefully Go they get Sixers. this week off to a good start against the, the Raptors on uh, Saturday night. But uh, until then, everybody, take care of yourselves. Have a good one. uh, And happy Easter to all of you.